Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, my name is Stuart Miles and welcome to the Pocket Podcast. This week, by chance, it's all about wearables. Whether that's on your wrist or in your ear, the wearable market has come a long way since the introduction of devices like the Pebble smartwatch and the Nike Fuel Band. And this week sees a big push forward in the space. Pocalent's Brito Boyle is here to talk about all the Fitbit smartwatch and fitness tracker announcements we've seen. Plus, I talked to the Chief Audiology Officer at GN Hearing, the world's leading hearing aid maker, about how the company is trying to deliver better sound for those that struggle to hear. And Pocalink contributing editor Cam Bunton joins us to talk about he has been getting on with the new Samsung Galaxy Watch 3 smartwatch. But first, let's talk Fitbit. Britta, what's the company been up to this week? Well, there's three new devices, which is great. Um, There is the flagship smartwatch, which will eventually overtake the Ionic, called the Fitbit Sense. Then there's the Versa 3, which will sit above the Versa 2, below the Sense. And then there's the Inspire 2 activity tracker, which uh, replaces the Inspire HR and the Inspire activity trackers that they launched last year. Busy week for Fitbit, it seems. Now, a lot of these devices are shifting more towards being able to sense pretty much everything around us. Is there any standout new features here from many of the devices launched? Yeah, the the Sense definitely has some standout features. Um, It's got an electrodermal activity sensor. Sounds impressive. (laughs) Yes, doesn't it just? Um, And that is designed to um, indicate your body's response to stress. So there's stress management tools within the Fitbit app that will, over time, they'll be able to detect sort of how you respond to stress and when you might be stressed and not realise it, perhaps. Um, And that's to allow you to take some time to sort of relax, maybe, or chill out to perhaps reduce your stress level. I could imagine imagine mid-argument with the kids, it's suddenly my watch (laughs) beeping, saying... (laughs) Take a breath, count to 10. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yeah. I mean, the idea, I believe, in the Fitbit app is to take a breath and perhaps use some of those other fe- software features that they've got and other devices also have, you know, the breathing apps that um, make you sort of uh, focus on your breathing, I suppose, maybe to try and reduce your heart rate and what have you. So next time next time you have an argument, then it's probably a good thing to test out and see what happens. Now, with all of these things, obviously, the more data is the better. Does it? Do the new systems and the new watches, et cetera, give you a chance sense of, of understanding what's going on? Is, is there going to be sort of abilities to say, right, here's the data, go away and do what you want with it, or here's the data and actually there's some steps that you should take to make things better? I believe there are going to be insights. Um, some of them might be locked underneath the Fitbit Premium sort of subscription package, uh, where you get slightly deeper insights into all the data that your watch gives you from sleep to activity. Um, and that watch does come with six months free Fitbit Premium. So you would see, you could you could try it out and see whether or not you think that the extra the extra money a month is worth 
the extra insight that you get from that package. Um, but yeah, you'll get some insight anyway, I think, but the premium package will give you slightly more to perhaps give you some more indication of what you could do to reduce your stress, etc. Now, all of these devices are uh, upgrades, aren't they, from previous devices? So it's not a new, it's not a new product per se. So is the evolution enough to warrant people to check this out to go for for an upgrade? Or is it, do you think, compared to what's already available, it's a bit not necessarily the best thing to look for, look at at the moment? Well, Sense is a completely new line for them. Um, it will replace the Ionic, which is the fit, which is a smartwatch at the moment that's got the built-in GPS. Um, they've now added that to the Versa 3 as well. So actually your choice would probably be more between the Sense and the Versa 3 now. The Versa 3 might make more sense to some people because it's um, quite a lot less in terms of price. Um, but you do miss out on a couple of the extra sensors like the stress sensor and also there's a skin temperature sensor on the sense as well uh, well I feel like I'm saying this sense a lot here the sense is sort of their flagship with everything that they offer whereas the Versa 3 offers definitely enough I would say for most people you would you get built-in GPS like I said which is great uh, that wasn't on the Versa 2 you also get Google Assistant now on top of Alexa so you have the choice between the two um, and you also get fast charging, which is brilliant for when you want to sure. charge your watch fast. So that's also useful. And there's a built-in speaker too, which is also fab because then you can hear what the you can also you can take phone calls, but you can also hear what the voice assistants respond with. And when do all these come out? And do we have prices yet? Yeah, we've got prices. So um, the Sense is two nine nine in the UK, um, and you can pre-order it now. But it's it's available late September. The Versa 3 is 199 and that's same availability, also same pre-order. And then you've got the Inspire 2, which is the activity tracker that we mentioned at the start. And that comes in at like 90, 89.99 in the UK. And that um, same availability, but that um, you lose a couple of features there, especially compared to the Charge 4, which sort of sits in the middle of those devices. Um, and you don't get built-in GPS and you don't get the assistance or anything like that, but it's it will probably be great as a standard activity tracker. I know a lot of people with the Inspire HR, so I suspect it will be a good upgrade for those people. At one point, we saw um, the Fitbit range getting a bit crowded in the sense of lots of devices not really showing, knowing which way to go. Has this launch kind of helped simplify that at all, or is it still a case of there are lots of choices suiting for lots of different people and you really will have to research which one's best for you? I think um, they've definitely simplified it. Uh, they did that last year when they when they launched the Inspire range that took over from the Zip, the Alta, um, the Flex, all of those three fitness tracker went into the Inspire. Um, so if you're after an activity tracker, a, a sort of basic one, then the Inspire two would be the one that you'd probably go for mm. if you wanted something a little little bit more then the charge four is probably the best one because that's got built-in gps like the versa like the versa three sorry which would then allow you to go for your runs and what have you without your phone um and then the sort of versa range and the sense range are then the smartwatch side of things so i think you're either an activity tracker person or you're a smartwatch person um, so you've kind of got two options with both, with either of those, which definitely simplifies it from what it was a couple of years ago. Um, so 
think you, you sort of need to work out what the best features are for yourself and then pick based on that. But there's quite a clear distinction between them now. Still to come, Cam gives us his verdict on the Samsung Galaxy Watch 3 smartwatch. Let's say, for instance, your left foot spends more time on the floor than your right foot, it can tell you. And that's the kind of stuff you would normally need sensors in your shoes for. So again, it's, it's kind of hard to see how accurate that is, but it's a really cool uh, bit of data to have on your run when you come back to see how can I improve my efficiency when I'm running to make sure I'm getting the most out of my run. There's no two ways about it. The world is getting louder, and that means more and more people are struggling to hear properly. According to the latest figures, around 4.2 million hearing aids were sold in the US in 2019, up around 5% on the 2018 numbers, and the number continues to grow. And just like the latest smartphones, the companies that make them are constantly trying to improve the experience to deliver a more lifelike sound. But can hearing aids get to the point where it feels like you never lost your hearing in the first place? I recently talked to Laurel Christensen, the Chief Audiology Officer at GN Hearing, maker of the popular ReSound hearing aid, about how they see the technology developing and how in some ways they're trying to create a Dolby Atmos-like experience for those suffering with hearing loss. I started by asking her to tell us what it actually entails being a Chief Audiology Officer. Well, it, it means that uh, I am the person who runs a team of audiologists, uh, mostly in research and development, where we develop new hearing aid technology. And so we, we come there with the voice of the end user. Uh, we're, we're the people who understand what it's like to be hearing impaired. Uh, we've worked with patients for many years. I've actually been in the industry myself for 30 years. And so I'm very familiar with the problems that people um, who, who have hearing loss have, you know, what, what are their problems when they go into different situations and, and then what are the current problems with hearing aids and, and we strive every day to make our hearing aids better. Um, and in our company, we actually have a philosophy called organic hearing. And, and that is to make hearing as, as organic as possible, as natural as possible, and, and try to bring that hearing experience back to, uh, you know, to the experience of a person who, who doesn't have a hearing loss. Now, how do you go about that? Because to many people that don't wear hearing aids, they just might perceive that it's just a microphone in the ear that amplifies whatever you're hearing. I presume it's a lot more technical than that. And so where do you start by making that organic sound? Yeah, so it is definitely a lot more technical than that. There, of course, is a microphone that you you pick up the sound. And, and then inside the hearing aid, there is a computer chip uh, where we do signal processing on the sound, very sophisticated signal processing. We can we can eliminate noise using noise reduction. We can um, we can steer directional microphones and and actually make very directional beams that people can listen to people in front of them or or in another direction. There's wind noise reduction technology. So there's there's very sophisticated technology that that goes into hearing aids and and of course there's hardware. Um, the, the hearing aids itself and how they're placed on the ears. Uh, so, and through the years, you know, hearing aids uh, just keep getting better and better and better through all of the technology advancements. And what do you think the biggest technology advancement has been over the last decade for people with hearing aids? Has there been sort of a seismic shift of something or has it just been an incremental sort of approach? 
you know, if, if I look over even more than 10 years, um, there have been some seismic shifts. Um, and, and so, you know, if you, if you look over some, some in particular have been in, in 2003 when we, and it was, it was Resound that did it actually brought to the market, the first open hearing aid. And, and before that time, many hearing aids that were sold, uh, actually were in the ear style hearing aids where the, plastic kind of filled up the ear or or the the ear ultimately would be completely occluded so you kind of had that head in the barrel uh feeling and just as if you plugged your ears right now and started talking your voice would become louder and it just didn't sound natural and there was no natural sound quality and through uh digital signal processing because hearing aids ultimately were analog and they moved to digital processing through that processing uh, we were able to cancel the whistle or that feedback that occurred in hearing aids. And when you could do that, you could completely open up the ear canal. And so in 2003, Resound put this hearing aid called the Resound Air on the market. And it was a very small hearing aid that fit behind the ear. And it went into the ear with a very thin tube and it was completely open in the ear canal. And so right. it, it was very natural. And it was like you say, it was a seismic change. And, and there have been, I would say in my 30 years, there's been maybe five seismic changes and then otherwise very incremental improvements over the years. Now, a lot of over time, you know, the world has got busier, it's got noisier. It's, there's, you know, we're fighting with phones and tablets and headphones and noises and all these kind of things and personal voice assistants and all this stuff. How do you go about trying to cope with that menagerie of sound, that cacophony that's constantly beating at you from various different areas? It feels, you know, a lot of people say the world seems to have got busier. Has that, how do you cope with that with a hearing aid? Well, you know, it, you know, the way we want to cope with it with a hearing aid is to actually allow the hearing aid user to to hear the same sounds that someone um, who didn't have a hearing loss would hear. And so hearing aids today, they connect wirelessly uh, to your telephone. So when your telephone is ringing, it, it's ringing in your hearing aid, you're picking up the, the telephone call wirelessly, anything audible in your phone, your music, um, podcasts like this one, uh, anything audible can be streamed directly uh, to the hearing aid. And so, you know, we, even though there is kind of this cacophony of sounds, um, we, we want the person who's using hearing aid to experience the world just like someone who, who, who doesn't have a hearing loss. So we, we want it to be natural to them and, and allow them to be able to hear what they want to when they want to hear it. And so, uh, you know, we, we do that in a very sophisticated way uh, in our hearing aids. Now, you've just launched a new product called the ReSound One. What's the kind of breakthrough there that, that makes this so exciting? Yeah, so this is a huge breakthrough. You know, I would put this in another seismic shift kind of a, a hearing aid breakthrough. And, you know, I already described to you the uh, our, our earlier uh, invention called Resound One, where we put a very small hearing aid behind the ear and then coupled it into the ear with this very thin cosmetic tube um, and an open fitting. Um when, when you do that, though, the microphones on the hearing aid are up uh, above your ear. And so the microphones are on the hearing aids and the hearing aids kind right. of are sitting behind your ears and there's microphones up there. Um, what that does, although it gave you this nice open fitting, the, the microphones being above the ears actually take away 
your own ears and your using of your own ears to hear. And, and so I think that the best way to think about it is, is like a fingerprint. Um, everybody has different size ears. We have different size ear canals. Mm. You know, you can look at people and, and their ears are all different. And when sound comes into your ear, it actually is amplified by your ear. Your ear has resonances and, and sound is amplified by your ear. It's, it's amplified by your ear canal. And sound uh, sounds different to me than it does to you because of the acoustics of your ear, because of what your ear is doing to the sound. So when you place these microphones above the ears and, and use a hearing aid with microphone placement like that, you, you get a processed sound quality. It never quite sounds right. It, it doesn't sound natural to you. And so the, the big leap forward in Resound One is what we call the microphone and receiver in ear. Um, well, we for short, we call it Marie. And, right. and what it does is it places the microphone right inside the ear next to the receiver where we deliver sound into the ear. And in that way, you're able to pick up sound very naturally the way that you would have picked up sound without a hearing aid in your ear. So it sounds to you like you're not wearing a hearing aid because it's sounding, you're using your own ear and, and it's natural. And, and it's, it's a huge technological feat to do this because in a hearing aid like this, you're putting a microphone on top of a receiver. And so, you know, the worst possible scenario for getting feedback or that annoying whistling sound. And so we've had to do a lot of engineering in order to make sure that we can place the microphone in the ear right next to the speaker. Uh, and and be able to get this natural sound quality. With with that, you talk about the fit and all the other stuff. How you know a lot of people that you talk to that do have hearing aids. Sometimes they say if they get too energetic, they kind of start falling out. Or you know, it, how do you cope with creating something that that is able to fit everybody? Do you, is it just a case of customized earbud tips, or or is it something a bit more exciting than that? And, you know, there, there are different lengths. So, so, so all these hearing aids are, are connected with a tube uh, that comes over the ear and then goes into the ear canal. And those tubing lengths are different because, again, everyone has their own individual ear. So there are different uh, lengths of the tubing and there's different depths of the tubing going into the ear. And then there are different domes that you put on the end um, of, of the tube that go into the ear and the domes have different sizes. And so you, you kind of size all of these things and then you can create actually a custom ear mold. And so you can take an ear mold impression and actually make a custom ear mold that fits absolutely perfectly, uh, down, down in an ear canal. And, and some people prefer that. So it just depends on uh, the audiologist and the choices that they make uh, for the patient and the, and the patient choice. Um, but they, they can be, you know, they're highly personalized to fit and they retain in the ear, you know, very well. I mean, we've had people run marathons with, with our hearing aids on, so they, they don't really fall out of the ears. Now, one of the big technology uh, advancements in the next couple of years that we're seeing in the industry is about augmented reality and that sort of idea of, of certain companies making smart glasses to overlay further information so you you know onto your world around you. Obviously, a hearing aid is is in effect an augmented uh, hearing for someone that can't hear. Mm -hmm. Do you perceive that to be a case of sometime in sometime in the distant future that people that can perfectly hear might choose to wear a hearing aid to give you more advanced, you know, hearing qualities? 
Well, you know, there, there of course are the situations where people can put, you know, an earbud in the ear and, and, and have it uh, wirelessly connected to a highly advanced directional microphone. So they can just point at people and they will get, you know, they will be able to hear someone they wouldn't be able to hear without it. So there already are those kinds of, of situations where you're doing even more than, than normal hearing. You know, I think, um, I, I think there's so many ways that the hearing aids can go into the future. You know, there, there are, you know, there, there are real uh, consequences of, of having untreated hearing loss. Um, so having untreated hearing loss um, has been associated with dementia. Um, and, and of course, it, it's been associated with loneliness and, and, and mental overall mental health or cognitive decline, all of these things, even, even your risk of falling um, is greater when, when you don't have treated hearing loss. So, so, you know, hearing aids, there are many things happening in hearing aid technology where health is concerned today and, and how can you use hearing aids to have uh, better health? And I think, I think you'll see in our industry uh, companies also moving along the lines of, of trying to help with the, the kind of health related aspects um, as well. You, know, we, you, you can certainly detect a heartbeat uh, using uh, hearing aid technology with sensors. So there's a lot of things that can go on uh, in, in expanding, um, expanding what a hearing aid can do in the future. And I think you know, you're going to see those kinds of things. And do you think that would stretch? I mean, certainly something that we're seeing in the headphone market at the moment is this sort of virtual sound, creating larger sound stages, you know, with Dolby Atmos and, and kind of and Sony's 360 audio and things like that. Do you see do you see a, a point where, you know, you could a hearing aid could say, well, you know, experience the world in, in Dolby Atmos, for example? <laughs> well, this uh, the new technology that we're bringing to market with Resound One is is really the first hearing aid that can do that spatialization. Um, so so thinking about that home theater analogy, uh, this is the first hearing aid that's allowing people who use hearing aids to hear sound um, both with direction and depth. Uh, because hearing aids that have the, the microphones above the ears, the, the more traditional hearing aids out on the market today with those microphones above the ears, don't allow for sound to be perceived with great depth and direction. You, you kind of perceive sound kind of right in front of your head. And, and unless you can perceive sound with depth and direction, it's really hard to separate it out in your own brain. Um, you know how sometimes you might be looking at someone who's talking to you, but you're actually, you have diverted your attention to another conversation that might be going on on, you know, on the side of you. Um, our brains have this ability to be able to attend to different conversations around us, but only if we can spatially separate the sound. And Resound One with this uh, new microphone and receiver in ear, this Marie, allows for the first time uh, a person wearing a hearing aid to actually separate sound out spatially around them so that they can attend and, and use their brain the way a person who doesn't have hearing loss would use it. So we are getting closer to that kind of virtual sound that you're talking about for a person um, with hearing loss.
Samsung's Galaxy Watch might not be as popular as the Apple Watch, but that hasn't stopped the company from continuing to evolve and refine the experience. First launched in 2018, we're now seeing the second generation, strangely dubbed the Watch 3, arrive and eager to be worn. So that's exactly what PocketLens Cam Bunton has been doing, wearing it to find out whether it's any good. Now, Cam, I know you've worn a few of the latest watches. What's the verdict on this one? Yeah, I think it's a really strong contender for one of the best smartwatches if you're an Android user, essentially. Wow. It's... um. It's probably the closest thing to an Apple Watch you're going to get outside of an Apple Watch. And of course, if you if you use an Android phone, you can't use an Apple Watch. So mm -hmm. this is the nearest thing to it. Um, but obviously, with it being a Samsung Galaxy Watch, it has that classic round face. So it, it looks more like a traditional watch than Apple's square face does. And what was the thing that you liked the most about it? Um, for me, it was the big improvements in the for, in the fitness and sports tracking. It's it's a really really capable running watch, despite the fact that it looks like you could wear it all day to work under with a suit or whatever you happen to be wearing to work. But um, yeah, probably just pants and socks these days. But yeah, right. If you're wearing it, yeah, working from home. But yeah, running running metrics are really really impressive. So you get all the usual stuff that you would expect if you go out running. Uh, you've got your GPS, your heart rate, your cadence, your pace, all that stuff. But it's also got these advanced metrics that tells you how good your running form is or your posture is. So it can tell you if you're running a bit too stiff, or it will tell you if the way you're hitting your feet on the floor isn't isn't balanced or or it's wow. as, it's asymmetric. So it, let's say for instance your left foot spends more time on the floor than your right foot, it can tell you. Um, and that's the kind of stuff you would normally need sensors in your shoes for. Um, so again, it's, it's kind of hard to see how accurate that is, but it's a really cool uh, bit of data to have on your run when you come back to see how can I improve my efficiency when I'm running to make sure I'm getting the most out of my run. And mm. um, what didn't you like about it? So the big problem I had was with music services. Now, with the Apple Watch, I'm sure you know you use an Apple Watch. If you've got an Apple Music subscription, you can just pair your power beats to your Apple Watch and go out, listen to music, go for a run. It's no problem. It'll work pretty much every time. Yeah. Um, with Samsung, uh, you have to rely on third parties. And the third-party apps are actually not that good. Um, you've got Spotify and Tidal support, which I used both of them, but I found that it was just a really inconsistent experience listening to music because the apps would take too long to load or they would just stop playing music two tracks into a run. Mm -hmm. So you're there trying to fiddle around with the interface to try and get it working again and inevitably just giving up and putting my headphones in my pockets. That kind of reminds me of the first like kind of Nike sports watches, which were teamed up with TomTom Tom all those years ago, and sometimes with Garmin, where you just you kind of you have to wait for the GPS to be found, and so you're you're kind of keen, you're kind of getting out, ready to go for a run, and then it's like, oh, hang on a minute, guys, I've just I've I it can't find me. I, I've got to wait for that, that little bit longer to to find me. I, and I suppose if you know. As I say, when I run, I don't necessarily run with music, but when I do run with music, it's it's you, it's horrible when you get to suddenly a song that you can't, you don't like, or it stops, or or you just you know you lose that that beat and therefore the the pace and all the other stuff. So yeah. that that sounds really frustrating. It is, especially. I mean, the interface is good. I mean, the what I really like is you've got you've got the rotating bezel, you've got a touch screen, you've got two buttons. So once you know what they all do, it, it's okay. 
But when you're in the middle of a run and you're trying to use all those four different controls to get to the part where you want to make your music work again, um, it, yeah, it's definitely a frustrating experience while you're running because you, you don't want to stop running. Now, it looks like it comes with a really nice leather strap to get you going. Are they easy to replace the straps? Yeah, they are. It's a standard 22 millimeter, I think it is. Uh, so you can just use the quick release catches and swap them out for any other that has those quick release catches on. It's a really simple way to swap straps out. And of course, you don't have to have an official Samsung one. You can use any that you like. They're really easy to get hold of. Cool. And in terms of uh, you know overall performance, you seem happy with it. Yeah, I was. I mean, generally, uh, as a smartwatch, it's really good. It does all the things that you would want it to do. It will track all your daily metrics, your activities, like steps. Um, it will track your sleep really accurately at nighttime to the point where if I check my score on the Samsung Health app, um, if I've got a low score, I'm generally feeling quite groggy and like I haven't had a proper sleep. Um, so it, it's good in that regard, and you'll get all your notifications from your smartwatch, and you can reply to them using your voice or doodling on the screen. So in that in that regard, in feature wise, it does everything well. It was literally just the music that kind of upset me a little bit. And if what you've been saying hasn't convinced you, if you're listening to this, to go and get a Galaxy Watch Three, what's the kind of alternatives that you'd recommend for Android users? Um, it depends what you want your watch for. If you want a running watch, then Garmin are really really strong running watches. But if you want another a decent smart watch, um, Fossil are making some really good Android Wear or Wear OS watches, as it's called now. Mm. Um, they're they're really strong watches. Well, that's it for this week's show. Thanks for listening. Until next time, pip pip. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.